Denver Underground number two. Your 2014 to 2015 Denver Health Chief Resident Dowin Boatwright. Oh, thank you for having me, Spencer. Yeah, welcome. Thanks, thanks for being here. Um, so we're going to talk about lots of things. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to get to some kind of work that we've been doing on diversity within the program. But let's just start by talking about uh, how you got here. We almost breached the subject this morning, like at breakfast. But what? How, how did you get? How did you, how did you get to medicine? And kind of what was your journey to get here? So, you know, my mother is actually a pediatrician, so I think I was exposed to medicine pretty early. Um, her practice is primarily an underserved pediatric practice. And that kind of instilled a desire for me to kind of work with an underserved population, kind of like a county population that we work with here at Denver Health. Um, in med school, for the longest time, for the first two years at least, I definitely wanted to do emergency medicine. And then I made a change at the last minute and decided to do ENT. So I wound up matching here at University of Colorado for ENT, but my first rotation was in emergency medicine. And that month was just paradise. And it was always in the back of my head. And ultimately I decided to switch Okay. And so we, we talked earlier, just kind of what, so you're, you're an ENT and then there was times where you couldn't see well through the the lenses too. Did that, that kind of help drive that? Exactly. Exactly. I definitely, um, started seeing double when I looked under the microscope and so ultimately decided, you know, emergency medicine was probably my passion and this was probably a sign leading me in that direction. (laughs) That's a good, that's a good sign. So what was it like, uh, so you invested two years? Mm-hmm. into it at that time what was it like making that decision to switch out of something that you had you had invested that time in it's tough because i think i think in our career path so far i think we've always kind of completed something we've started and even in the back of your head when you think you might want to switch you know you've invested so much into it it's almost almost like you feel like you don't want to give that up you want to kind of see it through so that making that decision is tough and it's a little bit scary too because it's probably the first time i haven't been or I wasn't on a path and there was a period of uncertainty that I think in medicine we're not always accustomed to so making that decision is tough um that being said looking back it's definitely something I have not regretted so yeah that's good it's gotten you a good good path um all right and so your mom your mom was a pediatrician and uh were were you was she a pediatrician before you were born Yes. Okay. So you grew up in that medical field. Mm-hmm. Did you spend time at her office as a kid? All the time. I All think I pretty much lived there, Spencer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's the, uh, what kind of stuff did you learn from watching her there? So, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is even medically appropriate anymore, if this is even possible. All right. Perfect. But in, in middle school, high school, I was taking patients back to the rooms. Um, I was doing their vital signs, weighing them. At, in high school, I was actually giving patients injections in her clinic. Nice. So <laughs> just things like, yeah. So probably even working maybe as a medical assistant even as a teenager so and uh and she's still she's still where was that that was in tennessee tennessee okay what part of tennessee nashville nashville okay and uh and then what was your journey from uh and so it sounds like you were kind of interested in medicine from a young age Mm -hmm. did you think about anything else or was this the the path you were going in it was probably much pretty much the whole path yeah the whole time yeah all right the whole time yeah that is so different (laughs) all right so uh so you uh, left left Nashville, left Nashville, then went to Atlanta for college. Okay, I was at Morehouse College. Okay, and what did you what did you study there? So I majored in biology and philosophy. Okay, and the philosophy had um, it was the philosophy of science kind of a bend on it. So cool. And what was your uh, what was your favorite part of the philosophy classes? Or why you why you I guess why did you look to philosophy um, as well? 
I thought it was, I thought a lot of the studying in biology was just kind of more memorization. And I thought the philosophy kind of added a more critical thinking and kind of innovative approach to okay. thought that I could then apply to the science. Okay. Do you think it's, has it, which, how has it served you going forward? So I think, especially in emergency medicine, I think so much of what we do is detective work. So I think that process of like structuring an argument and thinking through something critically is very similar to what we do when we get a history and physical, then work through a differential diagnosis. Huh. So Cool. No, I would not have yeah. thought of it that way. Interesting. Okay. Um, so you went to Moorhead State, um, studied some science, studied some philosophy. What else, uh, what else, what else did you do kind of for fun and on the side during that time? Or, or was it straight, like... Notes the grindstone. No, no, no. You know, I got, I really got into independent movies at that time. Okay, nice. So, yeah. All right, tell more. What, uh, <laughs> were you like at the, were you at the movie theaters, like the, uh, the art, the art house movie theaters? Every exactly, weekend, exactly. Right. They almost knew me there. And what, so. uh, how many, how many, because in Denver there's probably like three or four. How many were there in Atlanta? So, th- there are probably a good number in Atlanta, but probably near campus there are two. Okay. And, you know, I think things have changed with independent movie theaters. So, the ones in Denver are like really nice. Yeah. But these are the ones that look like shacks. And, right. <laughs> <laughs> and what, uh, so how often would you go, go to those movies? Oh, at least weekly. At least, at least weekly. weekly, yeah. Okay. But it was problematic for dating because, you know, no one else wants to see these movies. No, it's not a good pickup right. line. No, to be like, by no means. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you want to go watch a French film that we'll have to read the whole time. That doesn't work well. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what, what were some of your, uh, what's one of your favorite movies that you saw there? Let's see here. I'm trying to think. It's, it's been a while, Spencer. Right. Um, what's one of my favorite movies from that time? Amores Pedros was really good. I think I've seen that. Out of, yeah. out of Mexico? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's the same director of Birdman that just won an Oscar this year. But, oh, that, really? was, but that was like ages ago. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a good one. I tend to forget things I have to read, so yeah. that was, <laughs> but I remember that being good. Okay, uh, so every weekend at the art house, mm-hmm. going to there, do you mm-hmm. still do that? You know, it's a lot less now with the kids. Yeah. So every now and then, if I think uh, if something's showing pretty late, I might sneak out of the house and okay. see like a 10, 11 o'clock showing of something. But otherwise, I have to wait for video. Uh, yeah, yeah, or Netflix. Mm-hmm. And did you uh, did you see Birdman in the theater? I did. You I did. did. So I had All the right. day off. My wife had the day off that day, too. We both saw it. All right. Yeah, it was sweet. Interesting. We actually talked about going to Batman, I think, right when it opened up here. When yep. I was when I was a rotating student, yep, I, remember I remember that. that. Okay. All right. So enough. <laughs> enough. <laughs> so uh, movies and what else? What else? Uh, what else outside of medicine do you find really interesting? I know you're a dad now. We'll t- mm-hmm. We can talk about that. But other than kids, because everybody loves their kids and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, what what else do you find interesting? You know, when residency first started, I was doing a lot of, like, road biking. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And okay. then I haven't done this nearly as much since residency started, but I used to do a lot of, like, rafting, especially when I was still in Nashville. We'd go up to, like, Chattanooga and get on the Ocoee River and nice. go rafting there. But that's it's been a while. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a good history of rafters in this residency yeah. for sure. All right, so I didn't know that either. Cool. And so rafts or canoes or both? Mainly rafts. Okay. I do a little canoeing, but nothing major in terms of like getting on the Ocoee. For that was always just like okay, always rafting. Because the Ocoee, I think, was that where they did deliverance at? I don't 
Was it? I don't think. So. I think. I think Deliverance was Mississippi. Don't hold Mississippi. me to that. I could okay. be completely wrong. We'll, we'll look this up. Yes. We'll fact check this later <laughs> in the day. All right. Because I wouldn't take a canoe down. <laughs> I'd be like, just whatever's going to keep me afloat. Anyways. Uh, all right. So uh, you're at Moorhead State. You study there. You're watching movies. You're riding your bike. And then um, your path to medical school from there was it pretty direct, or did you take some time? It was pretty direct. In fact. Um, the pre-medical program there is pretty well structured. So even as uh, during my summers, freshman, sophomore, junior year, your guidance counselors pretty much help you find uh, programs to do medically related. Okay. So the first two years, I actually did medical programs at Yale that were uh, designed to increase the number of underrepresented minorities in medicine. Okay. So the first one after freshman year, I did a six-week program that we actually did a few very light medical courses, did a little bit of anatomy, there were like writing workshops, things like that. And then it just kind of increasing your kind of network and exposure to people at that medical school. Okay. Um, after sophomore year, I did a 10-week research program there that was still geared towards increasing the number of unrepresented minorities doing medical research. Okay. So, so yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty direct path. Yeah. And who, who, who did you meet there that, uh, that caught your eye in terms of people that you thought, you know, I think we always have people that we see that we think are doing it the right way as yeah. we're going on this path. Who, who there kind of caught your eye doing that? There is a cardiologist there who still runs these programs. His name is Woody Lee. Okay. And he was just the most charismatic person outside of the, uh, outside of the clinics. And then he was awesome clinically as well. So. Okay. Yeah. And you got to follow him. You actually got to go and do clinical work with him during mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, do you think, did you take anything even from that kind of early stage into how you approach your patients now? Yes. And I, I think, I think one of the things that he did really well was really just kind of listening and letting the patient kind of tell the story and kind of frame the problem. Okay, good. So very not typical emergency right. medicine, like <laughs> giving your story in three seconds kind of stuff. Um, wow, okay. Very interesting. So that was two, and then what kind of, what research did you do the second year at Yale there? So it was very, very basic science research. It was actually looking at green fluorescent protein and uh, cytomegalovirus. Okay. So essentially, I was staining cytomegalovirus or injecting it with that green fluorescent protein. It's pretty nerdy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, don't even, I don't even know what to ask about that. But what, uh, <laughs> I don't even know like how to respond end, to was it. Was there an end game to it, or was it just being able to stain the proteins? I think ultimately, they. I think ultimately, for me, it was a little bit more about learning, I guess, how to operate in a lab. Okay. I think from a research perspective, I think they were trying to see if they could monitor. The disease progression of CMV in certain patients. Okay. With by looking at this fluorescence. Okay. But again, sounds, <laughs> it's sounds, beyond me at this sounds point. Sounds fascinating and <laughs> why I'm not an infectious disease. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so you go through the programs there. You're still on the med school path. Mm-hmm. Nothing seems to. Did anything shake your confidence in that at any time or? Pretty. No, and I think these programs were great because I think in many ways they reinforced. Perfect my desire to participate in those programs and let me know that it really was an option for me. Yeah. No, that's great. And did it, did, was, did it feel, so in, the programs were set up to increase minorities within, uh, within, within the medical field. Mm-hmm. And uh, did that feel like a barrier at that time to, to you at all? Or, you know, I wouldn't say it felt like a barrier, but definitely in terms of having a large network or knowing people that, had already, granted my mom was a physician, mm-hmm. but outside of Nashville, outside of where I grew up, just getting more exposure to the medical community, I think it really served a great purpose for that. Okay, 
Cool. And then, uh, so you go to you go to med school, and you go, went to med school at at Baylor. At Baylor, okay. And uh, how how was that experience? It was great. So you know, people always say college is the best four years of your life. But yeah. I think med school is the best. What do, what do you think? Med school is the best four years of my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that could be a little bit of a stretch because <laughs> I skied for about four years in between there. But uh, med school. Med school is all right. I mean, it was. It's interesting. I mean, you learn a, at least for me. I think you learn a ton, and the right. physiology is amazing, and right. like everything is. Uh, uh, everything can be really fascinating if you go in with it with that mindset. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think med school can be be great. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, and I, I feel like the collection of people there. They were just all so unique and so fascinating. Yeah. That it was just yeah, it's just an exhilarating time. Okay. Yeah. And did you have a crew? Do you have like a crew of people in med school? There's probably a crew of people, and there were probably there's probably one person who's still probably my best friend. Okay. That we just hung out with. Nice. And who's I just that? hung out. With. A guy named Cecil Webster. He's doing psychiatry now. Nice. Yeah. Well, my best like my best friends all went into psychiatry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they all need psychiatrists probably, but uh, they yeah interesting. And where's he at right now? He's in Boston. And what kind of is he going to do? Child or he's doing child. All right. He's doing child. Perfect. So he just started his practice this year. Okay. And you keep in touch with them pretty close. Yep. In fact, so I'm going to be moving to Connecticut in a few months, and we're already like planning trips it takes since he's going to be in Boston so close. Cool. Yeah. And anybody else in med school that you've kept in touch with, and or is there anybody else you know is doing really interesting things that you're kind of that you watch? Have you seen any of that? So there, there was a um, there was a woman in med school with me named Brandy Freeman who's actually here at Colorado now doing pediatrics, and she's doing a lot of really interesting research with diversity as well. Okay. Yeah. So. Cool. So uh, med school, Baylor, went into ENT, thinking about going into emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all my reflective listening sc- skills that I've learned uh, <laughs> in the residency and beyond. The, uh, so we, uh, we, you're, you're going through that path. You go to ENT for a couple of years. And what, what, kinda, what were the things about ENT that you liked that when you were going into it? That you, that you know, as a student, I really felt there was a great deal of variety of patients and variety of procedures, even though you were so specialized. Mm-hmm. And in particular, I really liked the aspect of the, the cancer surgeries, the head and neck surgeries. Mm-hmm. I thought the anatomy was fascinating. I thought being able to work with that population was fascinating. So those are the main things. And my, my goal at the time was to pursue a, um, a career in head and neck surgery, like primarily focusing on patients with head and neck cancers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then... Uh, you make the transition to emergency medicine, and then I met you as a rotating student here, where we were on the uh, you were on pullback here, which is always one of our interesting experiences. Um, and then uh, you know I've kind of I've kind of watched from the side as you've progressed up and become a chief here, and um, and have done a lot of work with the diversity program here, and putting some emphasis on trying to uh, um, increase access uh, to the. Well, I'll let you talk about it because I think I think you guys have done a lot of interesting work and brought a lot of people in. And um, but so, what what has been the focus of that? So, I think when we first started, we realized that Denver Health as a residency is excellent in so many areas. But one of the areas where I don't think there had been a lot of focus was increasing the diversity of the residents in the program, which is very interesting considering the huge amount of diversity we have in our patient population, both in race, ethnicity, um, socioeconomic status, obviously being a county hospital at Denver Health, but then also with the patient population we have at the university also being a population that's generally generally with very little access to healthcare otherwise. So we thought that we knew a lot of data demonstrated that underrepresented minorities were more likely 
to serve a patient population that was both underrepresented racially and, eth- and in terms of ethnicity, but also with an, more, op- more likely to serve a population that has poor access to care. So one of the things we thought could be a mission of the Denver Health Residency, too, is not only training the best clinicians in emergency medicine, but also training clinicians that would also, when they graduated, go back and serve the patient population mm-hmm. on which they trained. So that was, that was kind of our focus. We wanted to increase the diversity um, of the residents here. So we started looking at what we thought were, started looking at the process on how more or less medical students get here for residency. Okay. We started looking at the number of applications the program receives, um, also looking at who we interviewed, and then ultimately who matched here. And one of the startling things that we saw initially was we actually weren't receiving that many applications from underrepresented minorities, and we also weren't interviewing that many underrepresented minorities initially. So those were actually the two initial aims of the program. One, to make the program more attractive to underrepresented minorities. Two, um, for the underrepresented minorities that applied to make sure that they were um, being interviewed at an equal rate to non-underrepresented minorities. Okay. And do you think that the, so kind of the, the lack of underrepresented minorities applying to the program, do you think that's because the, the feeding stream, there's not a, a lot of people in, like in med school, uh, minorities are underrepresented too, and it's hard to get people to apply to the program if there's just not people to apply to the program, or do you think that there, was, there were people that we just weren't getting to come in, in the door that? So we're finding both. So initially, we definitely knew there was a pipeline issue. Just like you mentioned, the percentage of underrepresented minorities graduating medical school has not changed dramatically over the last 10 years. Um, so that definitely is an issue. But when we looked closer as well, and we, we were probably receiving a percentage, if you say there is about 10% of medical school graduates that are underrepresented minorities, we're probably getting two to 3% of our applications being underrepresented minorities. So we knew we, even then we weren't tapping into the full pipeline that was even available, okay. even with that pipeline being small. And it's, it's, this probably happens for a variety of reasons. One, I know our medical schools increasing the number of underrepresented minorities it has, but historically that percentage probably has not been high as well. Mm-hmm. Also, I think when, when minorities think of Denver, they don't necessarily think of a city that's diverse. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that may have been true 20, 30 years ago, but one of the things that we know just looking at census data is that the percentage of underrepresented minorities across the United States is growing dramatically. And a lot of cities that you might have preconceived notions of being as not diverse actually are now. When you look at um, Denver as a city now, Denver is a little bit over 25% um, underrepresented minority, which may not have been the case, obviously, 30 years ago. So I think kind of notions of a city still lacking diversity probably prevent some of the applications from coming to our program. Okay. Just from just from like a social support side, I'm not feeling that there's going to be the, the cultural or social support. Exactly, exactly. Okay. People want to know they're going to have that support system. Yeah. Even simple things like people want to know, is there going to be a barber shop I can go to right. to get my hair cut? All right. Very simple things like that. You know, when applicants come, if they're single, are they, am I going to be able to meet someone that I can relate to and, you know, get married in a few years? Yeah. Things like that. Huh. And those are some of the things we try to address when we have applicants here as well. Okay. I, you know, I think it's interesting because that's not, I don't think those are questions that I, I mean, I, I was married and I had kids, so yeah. th- and my wife cuts my hair, so those two are <laughs> off the table. But I think just in general, even if I was younger, I don't think those are questions that uh, that um, would come up in my mind as, you know, right. as, as kind of bigger things. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to address them. So what, so how, what have been the main, main ways that you address them? Like what, what are the kind of the targeted 
um, points that we're really working on. So I think one, the first thing we wanted to do is we felt that if people came to Denver, the city actually saw how diverse the city was and definitely how diverse our patient population is, that the program would be more attractive, in addition just to seeing the strong uh, clinical training they'd receive. So the first thing we did was we uh, developed an externship um, that focuses on delivering care to um, people with healthcare disparities or people with uh, little access to care. Okay. Um, in addition to starting that rotation, initially it was open for about six spots. We also funded that with a $1,500 stipend oh. to kind of give a little bit more incentive for people who, are, who might want to apply. Okay. So what we found with that is, and we've uh, done surveys kind of looking at this, is when applicants come, rotate here for a month, see the city, learn about the support system we have across campus and other departments as well, and we surveyed them about this afterwards, all the applicants felt that the city was more diverse than they thought before they arrived. They thought the patient population was more diverse than before they arrived, and they also felt that our program was committed to diversity. Okay. So those three things we felt made the program more attractive. We actually found that Within a year of starting this program, the number of applications we had from underrepresented minorities actually doubled. So we're not exactly sure that's the only reason, but we think it's definitely a contributing factor. Okay. And did you see? Um, we'll get back to the to the to the um, externship in a second. But did you see that that's carried over to more uh, underrepresented minorities actually coming in to be residents as well? So. The first two years um, after we started our diversity committee here, we still didn't see a, a large uptick in the number of underrepresented minorities matching here. Okay. After the first year, we didn't see much improvement across the board except we saw more applications. But we actually didn't interview any more underrepresented minorities and we okay. actually didn't match any higher in terms of matching underrepresented minorities in previous years. Okay. The second year, we were able to quadruple the number of interviews we offered to underrepresented minorities. And we did that mainly by having the diversity committee utilize a holistic review process for every underrepresented minority that applied. Okay. Um, I think traditionally people may look strictly at board scores, um, letters of recommendations, grades, but we also wanted to look at things like the person's background, have they shown evidence of greater resiliency in, um, in the course of their career previously. And just from doing that, we were able to quadruple the number of um, interviews we offered. Still didn't see, initially see that great of an uptick in the match rate. The following year, we actually saw an increase in the match rate from about 4% to 20%. Wow. And then, of course, match day is tomorrow, so, so we're <laughs> hoping to keep those <laughs> We'll games. have answers more yeah. tomorrow on that, too. Wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. That's really mm -hmm. impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, and how did, so I love the idea of grit and resiliency. Like, mm -hmm. that, that actually seems like something that is should be key i'm not sure how you measure it so how how did you guys like how, how do you put measures or how do you look at people when you try to determine their grit and resiliency yeah. so it's kind of interesting but mainly we look through their application and see if there's a point where that applicant failed at something huh. or had a change of course maybe it wasn't a failure but maybe something didn't go as planned and had to change course but was still able to succeed so th things like that also one of the things we look at is if, is this person a first-generation college graduate? There were many applicants we had that not only oh. were first-generation college graduates, but were first-generation high school graduates. Yeah. And to actually make it to be the first person in your family to graduate high school, college, and then graduate medical school is a tremendous achievement because you don't have that. Those applicants don't have an, a built-in support system where, for instance, I could call, talk to my mother and you know, tell her I'm in anatomy and I, I'm struggling with this and she'd give me some advice. But right. if your parents, no one in your family's even graduated high school, you know, it takes a lot of personal fortitude to kind of move through there. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, uh, that is 
just getting like I, my my wife's a teacher, so we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of kids kind of grow up and not make it through high school. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it seems to be um, that they don't have the support structure unless mm-hmm. we kind of build it around them to help right. them get through it. Um, and so just getting through high school, I've, I've watched like kids come up and been, when they make it through high school, I cheer. I'm like, yeah, yeah. way to go. Exactly. But, I mean, going through college and med school is, is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. So that's, I like, mm-hmm. I like the grit and resiliency. We actually had one um, applicant one year who initially dropped out of high school in, in, in 10th grade. Um, actually, was just kind of living on the streets for a year. Decided he was going to turn his life around through a local church, was able to get back in high school, graduated, ultimately then went to college made an A in every course, went to medical school, did extremely well, and that type of person, we, we feel comfortable that they're gonna do well in residency. Yeah. Just because of the grit they've earned, just to get to that point. Yeah, no, it's like getting off getting off the mat's important. Yeah. So we have rules in my family. This yeah. is just my kids' rules. Yeah. Uh, we have rules, and rule number one is if you fall down, you get back up, and it doesn't matter what. It's usually like bikes, and yeah. but I, <laughs> I felt like that's a, that's like an internal rule that you should bring into yourself is that if you fall down, you should get back up. Completely. And I think that's a fundamental lesson too of residency because we're all human. We're going to be seeing patients of very high acuity. We're going to make a mistake, but it's about learning from that mistake and moving forward and still providing excellent care based on what you learned. So kind of that grit and resiliency we think is going to pattern very well with how you learn and progress in residency. I love it. I love it. Did they, do we get that person here? So no, but, uh, <laughs> right. but they're somewhere there. He's gonna, they're, they're, they're in the field. They're going to be a, he or she field. is going to be a great exactly. uh, position somewhere, which is good, which is good. Okay, um, great. So let's talk about the uh, externship a little bit. So mm-hmm. what? Um, who designed it? Kind of how did you get designed it? And what was the what's the point behind it? Sure. So we actually bottled this off of an externship that the pediatric program started here, maybe about two years before we started this one. And the goal of that was, again, just to kind of bring underrepresented minorities to the program, give them exposure to the program, maybe even develop mentors in the program that can then help facilitate them matriculating into the program. Um, Because emergency medicine is structured differently than pediatrics, we're not obviously not rounding every day, so forth, we decided to incorporate another aspect into the um, rotation, and that's a research aspect. So essentially, the, the applicants that we have will spend about half their time doing shifts at Denver Health half the time at the University of Colorado um, working shifts, but they'll also, and that'll probably be about maybe 10 shifts during that month. Okay. Over the course of maybe 14 days. And then they'll spend the remainder of that time actually working on a very, very small project um, related to reducing healthcare disparities. Okay. And we pair them with um, emergency medicine faculty here that are doing health disparities um, research. And what, what kind of programs have come out, or what kind of research has come out of that so far? So we've had a couple projects. Um, one project that did really well was um, one of our students looked at the delivery of analgesia to our sickle cell patients and how timely that was. And we found our times for delivery initially were terrible. Um, So with that data, we actually developed a protocol for delivering um, analgesia and um, opioid medications to our sickle cell patients coming with a pain crisis. And it's reduced the times probably about uh, 60 to 75% in terms of how, how fast they can get medication, but also how quickly they can get the appropriate medication. Okay. Um, that was one project. We've had students looking at um, barriers to calling 911 and out-of-hospital cardiac arrest in uh, Latino populations mm-hmm. here in Colorado. What, what, were they fi- what did they find those barriers were? So m- in many cases, um, some of the barriers related to the patients being undocumented and a fear that huh. if, if, that, uh, if 911 was, con- one was contacted, it would actually result in... Like deportation. Yes. That's, yeah, that's a terrible... So. <laughs> that's a ridiculous choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
right, so, sorry. So, so that was an interesting project. Yeah. And that project actually became an oral presentation at SAEM a few years ago. Uh, we've had patients, uh, we've had applicants rather looking at uh, patients presenting with um, opioid overdose and getting Narcan prescriptions afterwards. And that, that applicant worked with uh, Dr. Broderick here. Okay. So a variety of. No, those are great. Those are sound like really good projects. Mm -hmm. I'm actually surprised I haven't heard about them before because those are like those those have meat on those are projects with meat on the bone Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Cool. So what's the uh, what's kind of the next step in the um, in the evolution of the diversity at Denver Health and um, Mm -hmm. going forward with with the program? I think one of the next steps is becoming more integrated into the pipeline of underrepresented minorities entering medicine. I think when we first started, we really wanted to focus on strictly the resident level because we wanted to increase the number of underrepresented minorities in our residency. And we felt it would, in a sense, be a virtuous cycle because we could have more underrepresented minorities here, more people interested in doing healthcare disparities research, and it would, that would give us more manpower to kind of reach further down the pipeline. Okay. And I think we're getting close to being at that point now. We're actually partnering with the UPP program um, here at the University of Colorado, trying to become more integrated with um, underrepre- underrepresented minorities at the pre-medical stage in college. And we're actually going to have, we're still brainstorming exactly what this is going to look like, but we'll have our first joint seminar with them probably this uh, spring, where we'll actually have the um, participants in UPP, which is a a pipeline program for underrepresented minorities. Okay. Um, ex- and we'll design some kind of day related to emergency medicine, mainly to give them more exposure to the field. Cool. That sounds like yeah. a, that sounds like another good project. Mm-hmm. So there's lots. It seems like it's a developing developing project. And mm-hmm. so you're you're moving on. You're going back to Yale soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's who else is who's going to pick up the the tails right now and or the tails pick up pick up the uh, banner and keep running with it. So I th- Java Tunson um, is going to be one of the senior residents that will probably oversee the project or the committee from a residency level. Okay. Um, Renee King, uh, Jeff Druck will probably continue to oversee the committee from a faculty standpoint. Okay. And then obviously Christy Angerhofer, our program coordinator, does the lion's share of the work. Of course, (laughs) she does, she keeps the whole program nailed together. Okay. Um, well, that's great. And what are your plans? So you're, you're going to Yale on a, kind of tell us about the... the sure. It's going to be a Robert Wood Johnson Clinical Scholars Fellowship. So it's a fellowship designed for people interested in healthcare policy with a focus on reducing healthcare disparities. Okay. So I think I'd hope to continue to do a lot of um, research there, still focusing on diversity in the healthcare workforce, but also probably looking at frequent flyers in the emergency department, uh, focusing on probably... Two, two specific groups, one uh, sickle cell patients and also um, undocumented patients within stage renal disease. Huh, okay, that, and those are two, that, I mean, that, that sounds like important work mm-hmm. to be done because mm-hmm. we definitely see both of those guys, especially here at Denver Health. Right. And um, well, that's great. I, I appreciate you taking time to talk with us and uh, it is uh, always a pleasure to have you around and I, my fist is getting um, <laughs> sore from bumping all the time, but we'll do one more here. <laughs> all right. Thanks. thanks for having me, Spencer. Absolutely. The end.